Welcome to Kicking It With The K-Train, talking with people who help me keep an eye on my vision. Hey everyone, my name is Kyle Kuhn. I'm a totally blind US Paralympian author and speaker. Um, I've been pretty fortunate to live a full and adventurous life. Um, you could say that I have been pretty successful, um, but I definitely could not have done it without the help of some really incredible people. Um, so on this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to many of the people who have helped shape me into the person that I am today. Um, and you know, these are the people um, that really help me keep an eye on my vision. And maybe through hearing their stories, uh, they can help you as well. So let's get started. Huge shout out to my personal partners who help support my adventure athlete career. Um, massive, massive thanks to Bubba Burger. You'll never bite a burger better than a Bubba. Um, straight from the freezer to either the grill or the stovetop, you guys. Um, I've been eating Bubba's for over 20 years. I mean, that's the majority of my life. And hands down, this is the best burger out there. So go check out BubbaFoods.com and uh, check out the store locator to see where you can get your favorite variety of Bubba today. Thanks so much to Infinite Performance Nutrition. Um, take your nutrition personally. Hydration and protein, um, custom tailored for your unique recovery, uh, tastes, sweat rate, um, you know, your training, your goals, you know, and, and your lifestyle. Um, you guys, I, I've been using Infinite since uh, before the Paralympics in 2021, and right now I can't imagine using uh, anything else. Um, they keep me fueled through every workout and every race. So uh, check out infinitenutrition.us, I-N-F-I-N-I-T, nutrition.us, and uh, use the code COON15, that's C-O-O-N-1-5, for 15% off your order. Discover your adventure with Cycles Chinook. Um, you guys, Cycles Chinook delivers an exceptional experience uh, through inspired design, personalized approach, and a shared love of riding bikes. Um, you know, guys, I, I can personally attest to this. I, I have been riding a custom built um, Chinook time trial tandem since 2019, and their passion really is um, encouraging exploration and delivering adventure. Um, so you know, check out cycleschinook.com. That's cycles, C-H-I-N-O-O-K.com. And um, you know, go let them help you um, find your adventure. And uh, let them know that uh, Kyle Kuhn sent you. Before we dove straight into the episode today, I just wanted to give a quick, fun little shout out. Uh, today is May 8th, 
and I wanted to wish a very happy birthday to my younger sister, Kelsey. Happy birthday, little sis. Let's get into the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with the K-Train, where I chat with people who help me keep an eye on my vision. Uh, this person uh, is, is, I would say, hands down, one of the most special people uh, in my life. Uh, she has known me, well, the longest of anyone in my life. Um, uh, pretty easy to know why. Um, I am really excited to introduce everyone to uh, my mom, Anne-Marie Kuhn. Mom, welcome to the podcast of the show. How's it going? Thank you, Kyle. It's going great. <laughs> That's a great introduction. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yes, I have known you a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I would actually I would actually say I am, uh, how, old, how old am I now? I'm 30, 31 um, so you've actually known me nine months longer than my current age. So, you know, yeah, pretty impressive. I got to say <laughs> every step of the way, every, every step of the way. <laughs> um, and I have no problem admitting that I am 100% a mama's boy. So I, uh, I love very, <laughs> very, very, pr- very proud, uh, badge that I wear, <laughs> I love but, that. uh, but, uh, but I, I, you know, we were, we were chatting before we uh we got on and started recording and and you're telling me that you're you're nervous for this you know this this podcast but you know here here I am I'm I'm nervous you know interviewing you but so so I'm, I'm actually wondering what's what's more nerve-wracking this uh you know well actually I'm the reason I'm nervous is because uh, I think you have consumed more podcast listening um, than anyone I know. Um, so like you're, you're kind of the podcast expert, um, but I'm curious what, what was more nerve wracking? Um, no, you know, you know, getting ready to be interviewed by the Oprah Winfrey show crew or being interviewed by me. It's funny. Cause actually this morning I was truly even thinking about that. Um, I, it, you say I'm a podcast expert. I would say, and I put that in quotes, I would actually say I'm a podcast junkie. Okay, fair enough. I consume them uh, doing everything that, you know, that's how I I spend my time and helping me get through some of the doldrums part of, you know, cleaning the kitchen, doing dishes if you're not around. Yep. And uh, cleaning house and going on walks and exercising, all of that. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. um, and, And I don't know, in this day and age, it's also, great because you know you learn things from them um so i I love that you're doing this podcast i I don't feel qualified to be a guest on your podcast i guess but um (laughs) because i love your love your tagline but and i'm super proud of it but um i was thinking about the oprah interview and how nervous i was and uh definitely being nervous for this one because you never know what you're going to be asked. <laughs> so, and Fair I, point. I like to be prepared for everything, as you know. Yep. Yep. Um, 
I think you get that from me. I definitely like to have have all my ducks in a row and I like to know everything ahead of time. And you gave me no questions ahead of time to prepare. (laughs) So I was thinking about so many different things. Um, So I would say I'm maybe a little less nervous just because I had watched Oprah for so long and growing up in Chicago and, um, you know, loving her show and, and then getting to be on that, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but also very scary at the same time. (laughs) A lot of people are going to see you and it's going to be there forever. So that is, that is that is true. So, so equal, I guess. <laughs> wow, I am. Uh, I, I am. Uh, I'm very humbled to be uh, to make you as nervous as uh, as Oprah's crew. So, <laughs> well, hopefully, you have some good questions for me that I can answer. I, I I think you'll be able to answer you know any any question I have. I mean, you've you've been able to answer just about every question I've had over the last 31 years. So, um, I'm pretty uh pretty confident in you, mom. Fake it uh, till you make it, right? <laughs> that's something along those lines. So uh, let's go. Let's go back because you uh, you mentioned you you were born and raised in in Chicago. Can you tell us a little bit about your um, your upbringing? Because you know, like you said, you you like to have all of your ducks in a row, and and you're a you're a planner. So uh, you know, tell us about your your upbringing and like what what did you kind of see you know, that you wanted to do with, with your life as you were growing up? Oh gosh. Well, that was a really long time ago. Uh, and I was born and raised in, um, Oak Forest, Illinois. So not actually in Chicago, but people know of Chicago when you say Oak Forest, they don't, they're like, where is that? Yeah. (laughs) So I grew up in Oak Forest, Illinois. I spent my entire childhood up till the point I went to college in the same house on the same street in the same neighborhood, um, went to school there and, uh, I was 12 years apart. I'm 12 years apart from my sister and 17 years apart from my brother. So the youngest of three kids and, uh, life had gotten a little bit easier for my parents. So I got Mm -hmm. to go on vacations and, um, I went to a Catholic grade school, met some, some great people there, and then went on to high school. And it really wasn't until I was 18 or just before 18 that I met your dad and then yep. ended up uh, going off to college and, and getting married. So um, I don't know, as a child, my dad was super organized and I think yeah. my, my mom was too, but in a different way. And so my mom kind of followed along with, with my dad in that, you know, we would, we always had everything very prepared and it was mm-hmm. very organized. And, um, I don't know. Um, it's kind of funny to think back that long and how that shapes you, but, but it does. And, and I think you know, some of it was just being an only child and having to do things on my own and learn right. things on my own. Cause my siblings were out of the house from really almost from the time that I can remember as a right. young child. So, yeah. I don't know. And, yeah. So like, you know, 
grandma and grandpa, you know, ran their, uh, they had a, a family business. So like, were you, you know, and, you know, growing up, you know, our, our family, you know, we had the, you know, the, the family business. So were, were you like aware of, you know, the, you know, what, what, you know, grandma and grandpa did for a living and, and like, did that influence or shape you in, in like kind of what you saw yourself doing later on? Of, of course. I mean, because, you know, my, my dad actually started out, he was in the air force and, mm-hmm. um, but before I was born right. and, and so when he, you know, when I, from the time that I can remember, he had always been in the refrigerated warehouse business. And so, you know, my mom ended up working there, you know, we had other family members, but it was a big business. And I was, you know, as a youngest child, you know, you come home, you know, he would come home and we would have dinner together. And it was, you know, that typical, you know, five, six o'clock when, when he would get home, my mom would make dinner and we would sit around the table and we'd have discussions, which I think is kind of how we raised you guys. You know, we always tried to make time for dinner and talk um, about the day and what the day was like. And so I learned a lot, I think from my mom and dad on, you know, how to run a business, um, even though I didn't specifically run a business. Um, but I learned so much from it and you can apply it just to everything that you do, right. Those mm-hmm. life lessons that you learn, um, along the way. And, and, you know, grandpa had all those great sayings, you know, that you've alluded to in, in your not, not sure of your podcast yet, but in your newsletters and your, your blog posts and those kind of things. So yep. I grew up with a lot of life lessons and, you know, business was part of that. Yep. So, yeah. So, you know, so you, you met, you met dad, um, you know, just before, I think you, I think you had just, cause you graduated early from high school, right? I did. I did. I actually was supposed to go. I I had, I guess when you, you know, to go back to that question of what I thought I would do, I thought it was Mm -hmm. in business. And I took a lot of business classes in high school. We had the opportunity to take accounting. So I took accounting and, you know, typing. It's funny that we took typing back then, but (laughs) we did, we didn't have the computers yet. It was just early on. So Um, I took a typing course and I really thought I would go into business uh, Mm -hmm. along the fields of maybe marketing was, which was actually where I started in um, college. Okay. But uh, not sure if you knew that actually. (laughs) I I did not actually. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I figured, I think what happened is I got to college and I realized all the math classes I had to take. And I (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I switched to education at that point. So, okay. Um, it's funny. Yeah, because I, I knew I knew you I knew you had, you know, I knew you were an education major at, at some point, but I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that you actually started out in, in marketing. And it's it's funny how Kelsey and I actually both kind of wind up in that field yeah. to an extent. Yeah. It's <laughs> really funny. Yeah, no. Um, so when I I was in high school taking, preparing for all of that. I had this really 
I don't, I don't even know where it started, but I had this desire to do a study abroad. Mm-hmm. And so I loved the French language. I had a great French teacher and she made it really interesting and fun and taught us a lot about culture. And we had, you know, your typical classes. It, it involved, in, involved food I'm, I'm not yep. classes in like school classes, but in French class and you're learning about culture, obviously food is such a big part of culture. Right. And so we had, I had an interest in that and I, I developed a love for French food. And uh, so that kind of shaped me, but I had planned all the way through high school to graduate early so I could do a study abroad, meaning I had to get all of my class work in three years and a semester, you know, half a year, three and a half years instead of doing all four years. So I think they waived like a PE credit or something. Okay. Um, But I took zero hour during, you know, most of my years as a high school student so that I could do that. And then uh, circumstances with my sister and helping her with her, her boys, uh, my nephews. And and also to say, I kind of chickened out. Um, I'll be honest about that. I was, it was so scary because it wasn't a common thing back then. Right. And so I ended up not, and I, I helped my sister instead, which was, was awesome. Um, to yeah. be at a, such a pivotal part in, in the boys' lives. And they were young, they were toddlers at the time. And it helped me find a love for young children. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I met dad actually right after I finished up my high school studies. And then we wrote letters for the next six months while I was helping my sister and spending time with the boys. So with my nephews. It's it's crazy for me to think, you know, that like you you and dad you meet you know right after you finish high school he is you know four years into the into his you know marine corps um career and you guys write letters back and forth for you know for six months i I think you technically officially dated for like two months or, or something like that and then you guys got married two weeks after your 18th birthday uh to me that's more scary than you know doing a, a study abroad <laughs> like how, what, well, like what was what was the shift from chickening out on study abroad to getting married eight months later <laughs> oh gosh I you I, you you don't think it's scary to study abroad because you've traveled the world right uh, so for me I had never done that you know, I had, I had never, I, I mean, I think the furthest I had traveled was to Hawaii with my dad Right. On this trip. My mom couldn't go. And so he was like, Hey, you want to go to Hawaii? And I was like, sure. Okay. <laughs> high school, you know, but that was a safe, a safe space because I was with my dad. I had activities that were planned. This doing a study abroad was something that I was totally going to be on my own. And I don't know, building a life with someone you're and getting married, even though I was young, I had already had responsibilities with helping with my nephews and kind of helping with their childcare, essentially, Mm -hmm. um, before they went to school, um, gave me 
the experience, I guess. And it didn't, it just was natural and it, it was fun. I enjoyed it and, um, loved spending that time with them and with my sister and getting to know them and, and kind of what it was like to run a household to a certain degree. And so when I fell in love with your dad and we, we wrote, we actually, and I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but we really probably only technically dated in person, two weeks, four weeks, something like that, a month. Right, right. Um, <laughs> which is embarrassing to say. I don't. I, w- I was trying to give you a little bit of leeway. Yeah, it's okay. But... I'm going to be honest, right? That's all we ask here on the podcast. Is this is an open, honest discussion. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And we've taught you guys that too. Yep. Um, we've tried to. Uh, yes. It's the best policy. Yes. So, you know, building a life with someone when you've fallen in love with them, you're doing it together. So I think for me, that wasn't scary. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And so you got, you got, I mean, like, like we say, you got married two weeks after your, basically two weeks after your 18th birthday. Um, And you got like, (laughs) like, I'll go ahead and say you guys didn't tell either you know, either set of parents that you got married and it was kind of a, you know, it, it was quite the hullabaloo. <laughs> um, it was scandalous. It was very, very scandalous. <laughs> um, especially, you know, in the, in the late, in the late eighties when like, you know, we were, we were kind of, you know, it was kind of a transition, you know, period, you know, it was still, and you got, and like, you know, your, your parents were, you know, at least from, you know, from what I remember, we're, we're pretty formal people, <laughs> uh, very strict and very formal. Um, like, did you guys, like, did you guys think about, you know, that and like, how did, like, how did you guys handle the, um, the quote unquote scandal? scandal. <laughs> well, <laughs> Again, I would say I probably chickened out a little. <laughs> it's going to be a common theme for me, but uh, <laughs> no, I leaned on your dad to help with that, which yeah. is, which is pretty awesome. He's he's always been that rock and that yep that person that we could lean on in yep. in difficult times. Um, so not that telling your parents you're married is difficult, but it was, right. it was a little scary because they thought I was in college and I was, um, but I quickly realized I went to ASU, which happened to be like the top party school in the yeah. country. And I wasn't really interested in doing that at that time. Right. Um, I just wasn't your typical college student. I really because your dad and I had written letters for so many, you know, year, I was going to say years, for so many months, we learned a lot about each other because it wasn't face to face where you were afraid to be honest and truthful in the way that you felt. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could write it and then send it off in the mail. And, and we were writing 10, 15, 20 page legal size no, you know, letters like the yellow, they were these yellow, they still have them legal pads. Yep. Yep. And we would number the pages oh my and, gosh. and we would handwrite these back and forth, but you know, the mail, it took a while. It wasn't like an email. We didn't have email. We didn't yep. have 
email. It's crazy. I, maybe we had email. I don't know. I didn't have email. Uh, business people maybe had email at that time. Yeah, yeah. But and phone calls, long distance phone calls, cost money. So we would talk on the phone, but it wasn't every day multiple times a day. It was once every week or once every two weeks, depending on, because he was in the military, it depended on, you know, his duty and what yep. was going on at the time. And, you know, me trying to steal away a couple of moments, you know, when I was um, watching the boys. And yep. so we wrote letters and we weren't afraid to tell each other things because we weren't going to get an instant response like you do now. So you right. have that, you know, you could be more honest. And so I think we learned a lot about each other and we asked each other a lot of questions and, um, I don't know, it just, yeah. So when going forward, we decided to get married and we didn't tell anyone and we eloped and, uh, I wanted to leave ASU because I was just miserable because it just wasn't the experience that I was looking for. I wanted to, I really truly wanted to get an education in academics, you know, right. to, to build, you know, some kind of a career in life. And, and I was missing your dad and he was yep. three and a half hours away and it was difficult. I didn't have a car. I had a bike, so I couldn't. <laughs> I mean, you could have done it back in the day. Uh, that's, but, that's, I, I don't know. I don't know. Tempe to, to Yuma is a, that's a long ride. It was hot. That's, it was that's a, a hot long, ride. that's a long, hot ride, mom. A hot, dusty ride. <laughs> I, I don't think any, I don't think anyone's crazy enough. Well, not many people are crazy enough to do that, especially in the summertime. Yeah. So, so he would come visit me and then we would kind of have our little routine and stuff so i made it i think 8 weeks and then we started talking there was a college that was not a junior college it was a state funded college it was called arizona western college and we started looking into what would it look like if you know could i transfer there so yep. that we could actually be together and and do that together and so we started talking about that looked into it and long story short i was able to transfer so i i called my parents and at that point we had already told them we were engaged we we announced that quickly yeah um, and then we just didn't tell them we were already married right um, i was afraid i don't know why i was afraid uh i don't know if it was of robbing them of the experience mm -hmm. of a, you know, planning a wedding and, and all of that, because back in the day, that was a big, a big deal. Right. Um, they knew your dad, but they didn't know him really well. So I was right. afraid of what they would think about that. Um, what else? I don't know. Uh, and I just kind of pushed it under the rug for a little bit. <laughs> it's nice to just sort of live this romantic. Yeah early marriage together, I guess. I don't know. Um, hey, there's nothing so wrong with that. we, when, when I trained, I told them I was going to transfer colleges that I was able to do that easily and not, you know, skip a beat really. Right. And they thought we we're, you know, just going to live together at that point. And I think that was really hard for my mom. Uh, sure. she was born and raised Catholic as my dad. And so that was really, you know, like you said, scandal, it's scandalous. Yeah. So, um, 
when we, when they came out to kind of see where we were living back in, I think it was October, we got married in August and it was October that they came out to kind of see where I was living and spend more time with, with dad. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom, we were sitting at the table and my mom was, uh, said, you know, we just don't like this living together. We're old fashioned and (laughs) Um, and we kind of had brought up the subject of, well, what if we got married and then we had a blessing in church and right. my, they were totally on board with that. They were, That's good. they were totally cool with that. And so your dad was like kicking me under the table and I was like, no, not, <laughs> this is not the time, this is not, not the time. Um, yeah. and, and I think, I think it stemmed from, cause my sister, had had some conversations with dad and was like, just don't ever piss mom off. She will never forget it. She has a memory like an elephant. I don't know where that comes from, but, um, but yeah. So anyway, um, I was not ready to tell them and Mm -hmm. dad had duty that weekend. I went back with grandma and grandpa to spend some time with them in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And dad called me up and said on, on a house phone, cause they had a house phone. We didn't have yep. cell phones. And he said, I just can't sleep. We've got to tell them we have to tell them. And so I handed the phone to my mom and I, I said, Stephen has something he wants to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so I leave sometimes the hard stuff for dad. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I don't even know what the question was. I get a little long-winded. No, no, that's that's all good. No, it's it's all about just telling stories, and that's actually that's one of the that's one of the good stories that you guys. It's it's just you you know we we just you know all of us kids you know laugh at you know just how uh, how funny the you know the early stages of of your marriage. Uh, was and like we know like well Cassandra Kelsey and I know how how uh, formal and proper um, grandma and grandpa were uh, it, it was it's just it's hilarious for us to to think about uh, but but yeah uh, so you guys you know you guys eventually decide to you know start a family and I I believe you decided to you know to to leave you know leave school and um, and, and focus on you guys decided to focus on building, uh, building your family. And like, so you had Cassandra, me and, and Kelsey all within, you know, three and a half year, three and a half, four years, four years, four years, from something like that. 89 Kelsey was born to 93. Yeah. Caitlin in 01. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. There. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You had a, had a little break and, (laughs) but, uh, but then we obviously, you know, we went through, um, quite, I, I would say that the, the 1990s, um, was, was quite a roller coaster of a, uh, of a decade, um, for our family. Um, um, <laughs> uh, like when you, when you think back to, um, you know, you were, you were, I think you were, you were pregnant with Kelsey when I was, you know, when I was diagnosed, um, you know, and, and people, you know, who have read my book and, and stuff, you know, they, they know 
my perspective and, and my side of the story. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if you can share like from your perspective, like, like when you, like when we first found out that I was diagnosed with, with cancer, um, like what were you feeling and like, what, like, what did you and dad discuss? Like what, Cause like you said, you're a, you're a planner. You want all your ducks in a row. Like, like what did you guys plan going forward from, from that moment? Yeah, no, it was a roller coaster is, you know, is accurate. Um, you know, we had Cassandra and then, you know, we had you two years later and life was really good. We had transitioned to moving back home to Chicago from Arizona, where dad was stationed, he was out of the military. And we just, yeah, we were just living a really young family's life and, you know, going through just normal, normal struggles, but nothing, nothing major. And, and we were really young. I mean, dad was a little bit older, but I was still really young. I, I think I was pregnant with you when I turned 21. So like all those experiences that most people have up to their 21, I was just living a completely different life at that point. Um, and when you were, when, you know, you were diagnosed, uh, it was just actually through a well check or I think it was like a checkup because you had had strep throat or something and they wanted to make sure you were doing okay. And, and, she noticed your eye crossing, um, when she walked in the room, the pediatrician. And so that, um, led to, I guess, you know, she was concerned, looked in your eyes with the white light, you know, with a, with a light and which is a typical well exam thing to do to look for a red reflex. Mm -hmm. And she got really quiet. And she, she said, excuse me, I need to, I need to check on something really quick. And she left the room. And so when she came back, it, it sort of turned into this snowball of saying she had seen something that was not normal and it could be multiple things. And she wanted to send us to a specialist. I was there by myself. And so she brought back a piece of paper of a retina specialist and we, I was actually, it was, I think it was like a Thursday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. And we both dad and I were standing up in our friends, Lori and John's wedding um, that weekend. And so our minds were just in such a completely different place to receive news like that. It was supposed to be this just awesome celebratory weekend and, you know, just a fun weekend and, um, and getting that news was such, I like you, I don't even know how to describe it. Like your just heart goes to your toes and you have all these things that run through your mind that, you know, what, what is this? What, what does this mean? And, um, so when we actually got the diagnosis from the retina specialist, um, he thought, you know, he said, we need to confirm it under an anesthesia. Um, but they sent us to, an, uh, you know, the hospital. And as we were preparing for that, 
you know, it almost sounded like they wanted to do surgery right away. And we, Mm -hmm. we just, we weren't a hundred percent comfortable with that. And I think it was because of our, our planning nature and our questioning of, we need to know more about this before we make such a life altering decision where they would remove both of your eyes and you would lose sight at that point. Right. Um, and so we, we wanted to gain all of the information that we had and the best information that we had, and we had really good doctors in Chicago. Um, but, um, when we came home from, this is kind of like going off on a tangent here, but when we came home, you know, through the family line of, oh, please pray for this family, you know, um, he's been diagnosed with this disease and, um, we got a phone call and it was just like a cousin, someone, I think it was a cousin and it, their boyfriend's mother had been treated by Dr. Shields, like random. Right. And, and the way it was approached to us is we don't know if this doctor can help you, but you, you know, here's the number and it, and the title, you know, the hospital was called Will's Eye Hospital. And so, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to like, just Google things on a whim, like you guys right. do and we do now. And so, you know, all these questions come up in your mind and, you know, we're like, you're supposed to have surgery on Tuesday and we have a wedding that we are attending. You know, I was, I was matron of honor. Dad was standing up in the wedding as well. We had all of that going on. And so, um, you know, just trying to get through the weekend and plan was really hard. Um, so we, we ended up going to Philadelphia. We, we called, I think it was Monday after the wedding. And we thought, you know, let's just table this for the weekend, um, until we can get more information. And, and they gave us such positive information because in our minds, the conversation that dad and I had, I remember us sitting on the couch, um, at night and it was dark in the, you know, in the living room. And we just were like, what are we going to do? Like, this is so scary. It was scary. You know, we Mm -hmm. didn't, honestly, we didn't know if this was even survivable, which was, is kind of sad that we weren't given that information off the bat. Right. Right it was never given like, oh, this is a treat. This is treatable. You know, this is, this is, it looks advanced and it is scary, but it it can be treatable. And we were never really given that information initially. So it felt like we just kind of had been, you know, hit pretty hard. Um, And, and it was, it was a hard hit and, and it was not an easy thing to deal with. Um, especially being so young and not feeling like you're, you know, you have maturity on your side to be equipped to handle kind of these challenges. So it, it matured both of us really, really quickly. Right. Um, And, and so, yeah, when we talked to Will's Eye Hospital, you know, they had such an amazing team behind them. I mean, they, they had a patient counselor who she was like, do you have a fax machine? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we didn't have a fax machine at the house, right? Right. My dad had one at the office. And so he drove the hour to the office and 
you know, she sent us all this really positive information of like, this is the curable rate and different, you know, ways of treating it and people that had had retinoblastoma. And we were dealing with someone who had written up in the textbooks, the majority of what the protocols were for retinoblastoma, um, Dr. Jerry Shields and Dr. Carol Shields. Yep. So when we, when we kind of got all of that information, it helped us to, I wouldn't say feel confident because we, I don't know if I, I would say confidence is the word, but we felt better about moving forward with them. And, mm-hmm. and I remember dad asking them on the phone, you know, cause we, we talked about it over the weekend. We were like, what if this doctor can't even see us? Like, what do we do? Um, you know, if this doctor is that good, you know, what if they can't even see us for three months or four months, you know, right. Right. We had heard that the disease was so fast grow, you know, it would grow really fast and that could be devastating. And so we, um, we kind of had that conversation and we said, well, you know, until we talk to them, we really don't know. So when dad actually had the conversation on the phone, like, would we be able to get a second opinion with you guys? And she said, how soon can you get here? And so that just like, there was our answer, right. Right. Um, To have these, these really great, that it's seen a lot of this because it was so rare. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, we just hopped on a plane and we, you know, we got a, it was a good thing. Your grandmother was a travel agent cause she was able to get us reservations really quick. <laughs> I mean, I, it was, it was such a whirlwind. I mean, and I yeah. think as a planner and wanting to have all of my ducks in a row, I mean, there, there's always those lessons that sometimes you just have to fly by the seat of your pants and you just got to. <laughs> get out of your comfort zone and do it. Right. Yep, so we, did. Yep. we, we packed up the four of us and, um, got on a plane later, I think that afternoon or the next morning. And then they saw you the following day in, um, wow. in the office and then scheduled an EUA. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. if I answered your question. No, 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 you did. You definitely, definitely did. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then like, you know, to me, the, you know, the, the, the next six years are, are, you know, you know, I, I remember like snippets of it, but you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. quite a, quite a blur, um, because, you know, shortly after, you know, I think within, you know, within eight, nine months of, you know, seeing the shields, um, dad packed us up and moved us to, to Jacksonville. Um, so like all of a sudden you guys didn't have family super close by. So you're having to juggle, um, you know, a kid with cancer, um, uh, a, you know, two and a half year old, you know, two and a, you know, you know, you know four-year-old with, you know, almost, an almost four-year-old with Cassandra and then a, a newborn with Kelsey and you guys are, are juggling that. Um, and then, you know, we start traveling um, between Jacksonville and Philadelphia and we're in and out of hospitals um, do you remember a lot of, you know, I mean, do you remember a lot of the, those next, you know, six years, um, or is it, is it more of a whirlwind for you as well? Like, I mean, 
for me, it's kind of, you know, I have an excuse. I was a, I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do remember a lot, a lot of it. I mean, maybe not, ev- you know, every single sure. part of it, but it's funny. Cause I, um, went talking to auntie Cheryl one time, I think it was like going to our 10 year high school reunion or something like that. And I was like, Cheryl, I don't even remember so much from high school and I couldn't figure out why. And honestly, I think it was my brain. Um, I was like, we're going to have to come up with a really great story of why, you know, when people start talking about things, I'm like, I don't remember that. Um, I think, I think the brain is pretty amazing that it, it kind of pushes out things that, that you kind of don't have to remember at the time. Um, and I, I just had to focus, I think on, you know, getting us through this uh, and, yeah. and for us getting through as a family. And, and so I do actually remember quite a bit of, um, of the time that we were in and out of the hospital and kind of how we dealt with it. And, uh, I, I do remember I have like pretty vivid memories, but I think it's because it was such a pivotal moment in our life. And I, mm-hmm. and I feel like we did always, even though we did move and, and didn't have anyone for a little while, um, like you said, we had family back in Chicago that kind of helped, you know, they did help us so much like watch when we had to go somewhere or do something, uh, you know, they would help us out and help us out with, you know, financial ways as well. Um, when we moved, yeah, we moved to a completely new place, but we've always tried to surround ourselves with a community. And I mean, you were a cute kid. And you had these cute little eyeglasses and you were blonde and you, this, you were really like, you're really this, this cute kid. I mean, and, um, I think you're a little biased, but you know, <laughs> but no, we, we, we did, we, we joined, I think, well, we put Cassandra in preschool, um, really close to the house that we were renting while we were going to build. And so that allowed us to have kind of an instant community right there right. where you get to know people your own age with kids, your own age. And, and obviously people learn pretty quickly, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people wanted to help and we, we joined a church and we had an incredible community there. So we did, we had, we had a really big community that developed over time. It, it wasn't instant because I can remember, you know, having to bring the, the girls to the hospital when you would be in the hospital for, you know, whether it was an infection or mm-hmm. you had to receive chemotherapy and we were in Jacksonville, uh, you would, you know, you'd be in the hospital for several days and I didn't have childcare and right. so dad and I would switch off, you know, we would, uh, we would switch off and he would spend the nights and then he would, we would have breakfast together and then he would go to work. He would shower real quick, go to work. And I would bring the girls with me, maybe drop off Cassandra at school. If she had a school day, Kelsey would hang at the hospital the whole time. Yep. And then we would have dinner together as a family and, and then, uh, go back, 
you know, I would go back home and spend the night with the girls and we would do it all over again. So yep. you just kind of make it work, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, and you know, those are, those are a lot of, you know, a lot of my memories. I, you know, I remember us eating, eating dinner around the hospital, you know, around yep. the hospital, around the hospital tray or eating breakfast around the hospital tray. And, um, you know, and like we were, you know, we were always together as a, as a family. Um, and, and that was something that you guys kept very constant throughout, um, throughout our lives, you know, especially after, um, you know, af after, um, I, you know, we finally, um, made the decision to, um, remove my eyes and, and, and actually I kind of want to touch on that. Um, cause I think it was, wasn't it you that finally put your foot down and, and said, we, we have to, we have to stop this madness or, or chasing, you know, we're, you know, was, wasn't it you that kind of, at least if I, you know, if I remember from our past conversations, um, there were some experimental treatments that dad wanted to try and, and you were just kind of like, we, we have to move, we have to move on. Yeah. I, I mean, we both wanted to try everything that was possible yeah. to save your eyes for as long as we could. I mean that, you know, it became evident as the years went on that, you know, there was damage kind of being done. Right. And, and so, um, and we did have the best in the world, I feel, yeah. uh, yeah. as far as doctors were. So we, we did have a confidence level moving forward, you know, once, um, and you responded really well to treatment, which helped, but I think for us, you were to, to help in the decision-making process for us. Cause we have talked to other families that have gone through diagnosis with retinoblastoma mm -hmm. and everything. And we always try to tell people what was right for us. And for you may not be right for your family, you know, right. it doesn't mean that you have to fight it for seven years, you know, um, you could, you know, your child could have an amazing life, you know, just removing the cancer and kind of being done with that and go through the, you know, process of getting, um, you know, artificial eyes and, and, and just moving forward at that point. But I think what helped us decide was you, as a little kid, you were always so determined to do things. And, and so seeing that it almost felt like we had to fight for you. And we, we tried to ask the question, what do we think you as an adult would want us to do? Mm -hmm. It's just hard because you just don't even know. I mean, you know, we yeah. try to involve you in the process, but you know, there's only so much. I mean, you're not going to say, "Yeah, let me have chemotherapy again and make me sick and be throwing up all the time." And I mean, you would throw up just walking into the hospital. You had been sick yeah. so many times. You would literally walk in the door of the hospital and start throwing up, yeah. um, even though you had there was no need to throw up. Um, right. So you know, that, that was hard. And we did do some things that were, I wouldn't say research. I don't know if it was research-based, um, but, and maybe not experimental. I, I mean, I guess experimental because they weren't done. It wasn't common, I guess, mm -hmm. to do like the intraocular chemotherapy, but they were looking at different ways of 
treating this with less side effects essentially. And so like, I can remember one time in the hospital, uh, and this was a really scary moment. Um, and this is probably, this one is probably what shaped, you know, kind of where you're going at, where I had to, where I sort of put my foot down. Um, (laughs) We were, we were in the hospital and you were on a drug that was typically used as an anti-rejection drug for, uh, organ transplants. Mm-hmm. And the way the drug was administered was through in, intravenous in the hospital. And it was alongside chemothera- chemotherapy. Um, and the, the idea or the goal was they, they kind of thought that this, um, and it was cyclosporin, um, that, that this drug would help the chemotherapy actually penetrate into the intraocular into the eye, which is where your cancer was. Your cancer was inside, inside the vitreous fluid and um, on the retina. And so they were trying, they were using all these different things to try to break that barrier down because they weren't sure if it would actually kill the tumors or shrink the tumors. And so they found this drug kind of gave it a little channel or a gateway for the chemotherapy to work. And so we tried that, but the, the scary thing about it was, is the oncology nurses were not used to using it. Mm. And it was a drug that needed to be, you know, like they had to shake it in the glass bottle. And instead of just normally you would gently roll um, the, the bag of fluids, the IV fluids that were being administered. And I guess it was so heavy that it would like fall. And, and so what ended up happening is, um, you went into anaphylaxis shock and, um, and so that was really scary because, you know, I'm watching you turn blue and your face is puffing up and you can't breathe. And, you know, thankfully dad was with, because he, immediately just turned off the IV and I, you know, we're pressing buttons and I'm out in the hall screaming to try and get somebody to help. Cause I knew this was bad. Right. Um, and you know, so we got through that and, and everything, but it was, it was like, I think I got to a point where I was like, I just want my son. I don't care if he can see or not. Yeah. And, you know, we were looking at flying overseas to do treatment. And I was just like, I don't, we don't know these people. Like we are with the best in the world. Why would we want to, um, you know, why would we want to risk his life? And so I think mm-hmm. we got to that point where, and it, it was both of us. Um, yeah. but I think I probably, I probably was uh, a little more vocal. I think right. about, it's time to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you weren't seeing very well at that point anyway. So right. Kind of like, what are we trying to save? Right. Um, and, and I think we got to a point earlier on that the goal was to just save vision for as long as we could, mm-hmm. because we knew it was helping you. We knew it was helping with spatial relationships and your experiences. And um, you were so active as a young child that it allowed you you know, to do things like other kids. Um, right. So, yeah. So I think when we 
when I got to that point, when, you know, it started to be where it was going to potentially risk your life. I was like, right. I'd rather have my kid there and yeah, have him a part of my life and our lives. So, yep. Yeah. It, and it's so like now, like, you know, so we, we make the decision, we remove, you know, we remove, you know, we remove my eyes. Um, and now you guys have to <laughs> raise a totally blind kid alongside, um, you know, two-sided kids. And then, you know, soon after, soon after that, we had a, you know, we had a, we had another, you know, another, another baby to the mix. And, you know, so that now you're, you, you are juggling four kids, one of whom is, is totally blind. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, it's really easy. Um, I, I think it's really easy for people to, you know, to, to pity um, people and especially kids with disabilities. How did you guys as parents not pity me? Um, and how did, how did, how did you um, basically, how'd you, how'd you raise a, <laughs> how did you make the decision to raise, to raise me as quote unquote, normally as possible? Well, honestly, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When you have four kids, three and four kids, like you just do whatever you can to survive. And so I, right. maybe if you had been an only child, you would, well, you would be, you'd be totally different. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that that played a big role, you know, you're man, you're juggling. So you can't 100% give all of your attention to one kid. So you always kind of had to, you know, tag along with whatever we were doing. And right. we did put a lot of responsibility on your siblings to yeah. play a role in helping because, you know, it did, it did get, you know, there, there were so many times where um, you were so independent and you wanted to do things like your siblings, just like a young, a young sibling growing up nor, you know, just not having any kind of a disability, they always want to follow the older sibling, you know, they, right. they tend to, you know, they're trying to keep up with them per se. Yeah. So I feel like that was kind of the same way. Uh, you know, there were times when I struggled a tiny bit, uh, <laughs> when like you wanted to play on the playground and go down the fireman's pole by yourself. And, yeah. uh, you know, again, I had great friends that I, I realized that it was not going to do you any favors or help you in any way. If we made everything really easy for you, because, mm -hmm. you know, that's just not the pathway to, to success, right. You, you yeah. know, sometimes you got to stumble along the way. And so, it was just minimizing the stumbles and, you know, as best as we could, I think. Uh, so yeah, I would, I mean, at the playground, I would just, I had a friend Beverly and she would, she'd say, Amory, just turn around and I'll watch him. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we would do that, but, um, you know, we did, we, we, we tried, we found that over time, you know, there were things that were easy for you to participate in. And there were things that, 
you know, you kind of, we would participate in and you'd be sitting on the wayside and that just didn't feel right. So we always tried to find ways to involve you. Um, right. And so we, we did, I mean, it was probably a little bit unfair to your, to your sisters because they were like playing soccer and, you know, you were just sitting on the sidelines and I'm trying to explain soccer to you and it, you wanted to be out there playing. And so <laughs> we were like, okay, we can't spend all of our weekends chasing after two different kids playing soccer. And then you're just sitting there. And so we yeah. tried to find something that we could do together as a family and, um, you know, you could participate in. So, um, so, so we decided to do, go, uh, the competitive rock climbing route. We did <laughs> not, 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 not your typical, you know, parents, <laughs> ah, let's, 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 you know, safe sport, soccer, right. dangerous sport, rock climbing. Huh. All right. right. Let's all do this together. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the best part of it was I was afraid of heights and exactly. I'm learning to belay at the gym. So, so you could rock climb yep. and the, the guy who was, who was trying to teach us, it was like, okay, now it's your turn. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this. I'm just belaying. He's like, no, get up there. You got to do this. <laughs> so yeah, you brought, you know, and, and that's what I always say, you know, I would never wish uh, this disease on any family, on any person sure. or any family, but it did, it did provide uh, in a roundabout way, a lot of experiences for us that were huge blessings and shaped us as a family mm -hmm. and shaped us as individuals. Um, you know, and I always say, you know, that I feel that God has always placed people in our lives at very pivotal moments um, yep. that have made, you know, a tremendous impact uh, on us. So, yep. you know, which I think is so cool that you're the point, you know, the, a big point of this podcast for you is showcasing the people that have been influential in your life and exactly things that you've learned. That's cool as a parent to see, you know, to see your child get those lessons, you know, you, you kind of <laughs> don't think they're going to get those lessons at a younger age. You think they're going to, cause you still are young, you know, you think it's going to be in your fifties or sixties that you're going to kind of see those lessons, but it's great to see those you know, that you, you took away so many things from the people that have been in our lives. So, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, and that's, and like you said, it's just, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's too many people to, you know, that have come into our lives at, at pivotal moments and, and, and non-pivotal moments. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I, I think on it and, you know, people, people see how our family is now and look, let, I mean, let's not, the, the, the major elephant in the room is that, look, uh, we're a very materialistic society and, and we, we are a very, you know, we're a very comfortable, comfortable family. Like we're like you and dad worked really hard over the years to, to set um, our, our family up for, you know, success and, um, and like, but we didn't realize as, as kids, how hard you guys were working and how tough it 
was, um, I think until uh, I, I know Cassandra Kelsey and I didn't realize it until the last few years, uh, um, as as we have been <laughs> navigating adulthood and and recognizing like whoa, <laughs> like we have it so much easier than than mom and dad than mom and dad did. Um, can you talk to you know? Can you talk to just that you know? what what drove you and dad to make those sacrifices and you know to to have long-term um vision because like so many people want it now um how how did you and you guys have always had that long-term vision um from like you know from you know from the time i was diagnosed from the time i was diagnosed you know it was you know save sight as long as possible you know cure you know cure cancer however long it takes um you know whether it's you know fi- you know financial let's sacrifice now to you know so we can have stuff down the road How, was that was that something you guys consciously talked about together or was it just like you both just naturally that was what you wanted to do probably both, you know, um, I, I think in the beginning it almost, I don't want to say it was forced upon us, but you Mm -hmm. know, it it was expensive to go through the medical stuff that we went through and, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, raising, a you know, a family of several children, you know, that's not, not easy. And, and like you said, it is, it's everybody, we're kind of in a culture where everyone wants it now. And it is so hard to save and plan, but, um, those early years, I think have doing without and learning to live without helped us for the future because right. we kind of didn't have a choice in the beginning. Right. Right. And we both came from, from pretty good childhoods and, you know, I mean, amazing childhoods really. Yeah. And, um, and had everything that we needed, um, and a lot of what we wanted and, mm-hmm. and it comes down to that needs and wants. And, you know, as a young family <clears throat> and then having to, <clears throat> having to have one income, uh, which is, is really kind of difficult to do now. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to make certain choices that, you know, of, you know, we had, we did, we had to make choices. I mean, I can remember, you know, do we bundle the kids up and put the heat on a little, you know, not have the heat on as much, or do we, um, pay the telephone bill this month, you know? Um, and we did, we had a lot of help along the way. I mean, we had family that stepped in and helped us in those really tough times and, um, and stuff. But I think because we had some help with that, we felt a sense of responsibility to not be uh, foolish about it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. wanted to be responsible. And, and so we did, we, you know, we would talk about it and, and, you know, we would just make different choices instead of going out to dinner, going out to the movies. Cause I think it was going out to the movies was probably a bigger thing back in the day, yeah. taking yeah. vacation. Um, so um you know, that was, that was probably, um, you know, kind of forced upon us early on, but then Mm -hmm. we saw the value and the benefit of it because we were creating experiences instead of 
seeking out things, I guess. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, that set us up for future. Yep. Can, can we take one quick break really quick? Yeah, totally. Let me, uh, let me hit pause real quick. All right. Hold on one second. And we're back. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> um, so, like, you guys, you like, I would say one of the big sacrifices that that you made, you you alluded to it earlier. You thought you were going to go into into business, and you know, you know, it was it was dad that wound up, you know, going into into business and being extremely, you know, successful, but you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was our family, you know, going into business essentially together. So like you, you did go into business, even though you weren't getting a quote unquote salary. Um, but you, you decided to, you know, be a stay at home mom and, and, um, uh, for, for a long time. Uh, and one of the things that I actually, you know, one of the, one of the, the things that, um, I think is really, really cool is that um, a few years ago you decided to um, go back to school um, and you wanted to pursue, you know, basically food educate, like educate yourself more in the the food realm and the food services realm. Um, so, can you talk about like why? why in your, you know, why in your forties you decide to, you know, go back to school when you haven't been to school (laughs) over 20 years. Uh, And why, why, like, why did you decide to go be a, become a chef? (laughs) I mean, oh boy. Um, I don't know. I just, a love of learning and following a passion, I guess, you know, I mean, I wouldn't take away anything from being a stay-at-home mom. I mean, I worked at a preschool for a while and I did some, yep. some other little jobs here and there yep. um, that worked within the family, you know, schedule. And I, you know, I think even back in high school, I was really interested in food and Mm -hmm. probably that should have been what I pursued, I guess, um, initially, maybe that would have been different, but I, I loved it so much. And I, I love to learn. And I know that's one thing I always wanted you guys to, to learn growing up was maybe not having to know all the answers, but knowing how to learn was my biggest thing. I mean, I homeschooled uh, Kelsey for a short period of time for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And that was always my goal. Cause I was like, I, you know, there was such a sense of responsibility in that. And, and there is as a parent, you know, raising your kids, you instill this, you know, you you're responsible for them. Right. And you Mm -hmm. want, you want them to turn out. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And and that's like a huge weight on, on your shoulders. And so I don't know if it was just me trying to, you know, help myself through it of of being a parent is saying, you know, just, let's just worry about 
teaching them how to learn. So when they come across something, so I've always just been fascinated with, with that, with learning new things. And, uh, I love cooking and I think it's, it's been such a huge part in our family because sometimes we do it together, but all great conversations happen around the table. And, uh, and honestly, what prompted me to go to culinary school and pursue that later in life was truly for me to be confident in it. I mean, that sounds weird, but I felt like I needed, I needed that education and that formal training, I guess, to have confidence in, in what I was doing and, and what I wanted to pursue. So, um, I think the short answer of it was, was for confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was also just something I was really interested in and I wanted to get better at it and, and yeah, why not? Right. This was a great (laughs) time in our life. I mean, you know, we weren't quite empty nesters. We still had Caitlin home. So, you know, I was trying to do that while she was in high school, but she was so active in high school that. I had a lot of extra time uh, to be able to pursue that. And I was, I'm really thankful that dad allowed me to do that because it was a great experience and I loved it and really immersed myself in it. And you by de facto got immersed in it because you were, (laughs) I I did. I did. (laughs) I love, Hey, uh, hey, uh, let's just say I became a very good dishwasher. And and if I, you know, and, and if, you know, if, if shit ever hit the fan and, and for some reason I, I, I can't monetize this podcast or I, I never get another speaking gig at the very least, I am, I, I will, uh, bang down the door of every single restaurant because I can wash some dishes. No, you could be a taste <laughs> tester. Uh, that you, too, that too. You could be a taste tester. Cause that I don't, I actually, I don't know if I, I probably should reach out to one of my professors and say, was this cheating? Because <laughs> Because remember, after a while, you know, you're cooking so many things and I was oh, having yeah. to taste things and do these taste journals and everything. And I was like, oh, I'm so, I don't even know how to describe this anymore. <laughs> well, so it, it, make- wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, you weren't making me do it. We were, I was just affirming or, you know, I, I was just confirming or affirming your, your decisions, essentially. I, I was like, nah, I, I'm, I'm sensing this. And and you're like, no, nah, I'm sensing that. And then like, we kind of, it, it was, it was collaborative mom. It was yeah. a collaborative, it was a collaborative yeah. approach, you know? So I, I do, I do feel that I should have at least like, you know, maybe not, maybe not uh share credit on, on, uh, on much of your schoolwork, but maybe it may, can I get like a corner of the paper, like a Actually, corner you of know the what? certificate? Not to interrupt, but I did, I think on one of my one of my assignments, uh-huh. remember how, okay. So I, I should probably clarify what we're talking about. Cause somebody might not know. So I had yeah. this taste journal where you would cook, you would cook a dish and then you would have to describe it throughout the process. Like you'd have mm-hmm. to, you know, they wouldn't make you taste raw chicken, obviously, because right. it'd be not healthy. Um, right. but you at, through the process to be able to understand how to season things properly and everything. And it, it just enhances you know, your experience and, and mm-hmm. you're a better cook if you're constantly tasting. 
Yeah. And so we would have to taste and they didn't want you to use descriptions, which I think you being blind helped me a lot because I've always had to describe things for you. Right. You know, when we've been, you know, out and about, I'll describe what the scenery is or Mm -hmm. something like that, that you something so you can be immersed in it as well and experience Mm -hmm. it and not just be tagging along. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of helped me with this, this part of the uh, assignments. And they didn't want you to say, oh, it tastes like, I don't know, peas. Okay. Like (laughs) green peas, right? Well, what do green peas taste like? Right. A little sweet. They have a little snap. Um, They taste a little grassy. I mean, and how do I know what grass tastes like? Kyle, can you think about that? How do I know what grass tastes like? I want you to think uh, back to Christmas and Grandpa Joe. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, it was because one one Christmas, this was before we, uh, I think it was actually the Christmas right before Caitlin was born. It was like two days before Caitlin was yep. born. Uh, and yes. this was before we started one of doing the flavors. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, so we got the, the birdie bots, every flavor beans, they had just come out with, you know, the, you know, cause Harry Potter had exploded and they had just come out with the first round rendition of birdie bots, every flavor beads. And, uh, we were sampling all of the, all the flavors and grass was, was one of the flavors. So, right. Right. yep. Oh man. So they- Good times. They, they wanted you to give really good descriptions that weren't just general, you know, yeah. they wanted you to use different things. And I can't even remember what the assignment was, but I was trying to describe to you what umami, what that <laughs> was like. And I made something and you said, I said, oh, mommy, this is great or something like that. Is that where they came up with it? Exactly. I, I'm, I am 99.9% sure that they were like, ah, four flavors is just not enough. We need a fifth. And, and someone tried something and they just went, oh, mommy, that's good. Yeah. Oh, mommy, that's good. So I think I put that in my, so they knew you were tasting my stuff and helping me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, as you know, but like you said, cooking and food is, you know, that's best done together. Best conversations happen around, around the table, around the, you know, the kitchen Island, Um, you know, and that was, that's always been a part of, um, of our, of our family. Um, you know, whether, you know, whether we're flipping, you know, whether dad's, you know, flipping burgers, you know, cooking at a, a little league game or, you know, you're, you know, cooking for Cassandra's wedding (laughs) where we all seem to always be around, you know, around food and around, around the table. Um, and and that's where, you know, a lot of our, our best conversations, a lot, uh, you know, where, where, you know, you guys taught us, um, about, you know, values, um, essentially, um, like when, like when you, when you think back, um, I was actually, I was actually asked this, this one time, um, you know, we all make, you know, we all make lot, we all have so many decisions over the course of life. You know, we have, you know, zillions of decisions a day. Um, but someone once asked me if, if I had a, a mulligan, uh, basically a, a do-over of, of one thing, um, 
Can you can you think of anything that like if you had a mulligan, like one one do over one one decision or, or one circumstance, you know, and, and we're you know, and we're and we're taking like me not getting diagnosed with cancer off the table. Like you're not allowed to. <laughs> sorry, we're taking that one off the table because that's okay. that's too easy. Um, like for for you for you personally, like um, what what is you know, what is something that you think back on that like you could have handled a little differently or, you know, could have, could have changed sooner or, or something along those lines? Well, so I, I want to answer that and I want to mm-hmm. answer it specifically. Okay. Every time I think of something that I want to say, like I could go back to and say, I wish I would have, I wish I would have gone on that study abroad, but it would have changed the course of my life. And I really loved my life. Yep. So I, I wouldn't want to do that over, um, you know, finish school, but then I may not have been the mom or had the experiences. And, and, and that's another reason why I went to culinary school. Cause I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to be able to have that and finish that, you know, finish something. Um, I would say maybe if Mulligan, uh, a do-over in, in broad terms, I would say take more risks mm-hmm. because I tend to play it safe a lot. And I think that's good in a lot of, a lot of scenarios. Um, but I think sometimes I miss out on some really fun and great experiences by not taking the risks. So I would say in broad terms or, you know, generalizing, yeah. taking risks is, yeah. would be a mulligan. So maybe going forward, I'll take a few more risks, <laughs> uh, step out of the comfort zone a little bit. Um, but, but, but when you look, I don't know, how those... did you answer that question? I want to know, I. How did oh, actually, I, actually it, it was, um, you remember, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it Greg? Um, he was the original Snowmass Club. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Greg DeRosa. Yeah. Greg DeRosa. He, he asked me the question and, I'm, and, uh, and I, I, I actually said, I said, move to Colorado sooner. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about the only, like, cause yeah. if I had moved, if I had like, you know, if I had my original intent, you know, if I had stuck with my original intent, my original intent was to move to Colorado um, right after graduating from, from college. Um, if I had stuck with that, um, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened, but you know, I'm not sure that I would, I, I'm actually not sure, you know, but like you, but like you said, you know, my life would have turned out so much differently. Um, uh, I don't know if I'd be sitting here in the Olympic and Paralympic training center right now. Um, you know, because, staying in Orlando connected me with, you know, connected me with Mike and I wouldn't have gotten to with Mike if I hadn't struggled finding a job. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all of those, all of those, those, those things. And, um, so I, I would be, I would be interested to see how my, how my life, you know, shifted if I had moved to Colorado sooner. Um, but, but, you know, if the, you know, the, you know, I, I like asking that question and I like pondering that question, you know, because it, it makes me appreciate, um, all of the, the life 
the life experiences that um, that we've had as a family um, and that we, you know, and it makes me appreciate um, everything that I, that I currently have um, a lot more. And that was something that, that you and dad really, really taught me. Um, like you guys, you guys never cared if we like, I mean, well, you cared if we made mistakes and, you know, you allowed us to make mistakes and, and Lord knows we, we, some, some of us kids made some very big mistakes over the courses, the course of our, our, of our lives. Um, but, you know, learning from the, you know, one of the things that, that you and dad always harped on was as long as we learn from our mistakes and, and make changes going forward and, you know, and focus long-term, um, you guys are, you guys are proud of us. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think it, and I think it's a, we're super proud. Um, but I think it's a good exercise to mm-hmm. say, you know, to, to look at that and, and look at, are there things maybe in your past, in your life that you, if you had to do over, what would you do differently? Mm-hmm. I think that shapes how you do things in the future, you know, yep. it's kind of like yep. saying, I, you know, I can't think of anything specifically right now. Cause, because when I do think of things, I, it would have shaped my life in a way that, that I mean, I love my, I've loved my life and, mm-hmm. and what's happened, but it does help me moving forward to be able to choose the path. Yep. Right. And, yep. and I'm glad you've learned some of those lessons. I don't, I don't think we I think there were some that were very intentional that we tried to teach you guys and, and yeah. teach you, but I don't think, um, I think a lot of them, <coughs> a lot of them were just living life. Yeah. Right. And, and, um, being kind and respectful and dedicated and all of those, you know, you, you've exhibited all of those things and, I'm super proud of that. So, <laughs> well, thank you, mom. Thank you. Um, you. You keep me going um, on those times when I don't want to get on the treadmill, and I'm like, oh, but Kyle does it every day. Especially when you were when you were like training for you know race across America and stuff, and I was like, uh, how does he get on that trainer for hours? <laughs> So I'm like, if you can do this for hours, I can do it for 30 minutes, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just consistency. It's just making a, it's just making a decision, um, and committing and, and committing to it. Um, easier, easier said than, than done. It's, um, you know, like, you know, you know, you would, you know, dad, you know, dad, pump, you know, pummeled it into me over, over the years was, you know, keep it, keep it stupid, simple. Um, you know, and, um, you know, and Derek, you know, Derek reinforced that, you know, over the, over the last four, four or five years as, as well. But it, you know, it's just, you know, to me, it's just been that, um, you know, honoring that, um, that commitment that I, you know, honoring those commitments that I, um, that I made to, you know, get out there and, (laughs) and do, do work and, you know, and, and all that. So, but, um, but something that, you know, something that I, um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you was, um, 
a lot, you know, our, our family is pretty strong. Um, we, we have a very strong tight knit family. Um, you know, we never seem to be spread out too far apart. Like, you know, no matter what, we always seem to wind up within an hour of each other. Um, you know, or, or, you know, at least within the same state, <laughs> uh, cause we, we can't like, we can't ever be too far apart. Um, what do you think, like, what do you think our, our family, you know, by, by extension, what do you think your, like, what do you think your greatest, you know, strength or, you know, characteristic is, um, and how, how did that kind of extend to what our, our family's greatest um, strengths are. Hmm. Greatest characteristic. Um, oh, that's a, it's hard to ask me what I, I don't like to, you know, where you get it from, I guess. Right. When you don't want to talk about yourself. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that's why you're liking being the podcast. I, I like being the podcast. Of- I like I like being the podcast host because I get to ask the tough questions. I've been, I've been on, I've been in your seat too many times. I'm like, I, eh, it's Man, hard. It's like being on the Oprah show again. Thank God she didn't have to ask me any questions on stage. I think I would have, would have flipped. Um, hmm. I don't know. We are, we we are a close family unit. It's it's been really important to Dad and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love fiercely, um, I, <laughs> a bad characteristic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easier if you were to ask me what my bad, I, I, I the anxiety part of things. I were, I'm, yeah. I'm a big worrier. I worry for all of you. Yep. Um, I worry for all of you. Uh, I mean, how many times have I said, Kyle, can't you just stop doing these crazy things and uh, <laughs> just play guitar, just be really good at playing guitar. Right. Um, oh, what fun is that? Come on. No, I don't know. I love fiercely. I think that's. Yep. I think that's a um, a good quality. I'm caring, it nurturing, is. nurturing, yep. maybe. Yep. Um, yeah. What do you think? I, the characteristic of me. <laughs> no, I, I would definitely, I would definitely say that you, I mean, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You love very, you, you love very fiercely. Um, but like you, you, like you always, um, like you've always been like, you know, we, we all say that, you know, dad has always been the, you know, the, the steady, the steady rock that, you know, ever, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of been the bedrock of the, of the family and like, you know, we, we always know we can count on, on dear old dad. Um, <laughs> but you know, but like you're the, you're the, you're the softener of the, you know, you, you help to, to soften the edges and you, um, you are quite possibly, you know, the most welcoming person. Oh. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, you know, cause, cause something that everyone always says is like, you know, um, uh, you know, anytime the team comes over, uh, you know, comes up to the house or, you know, like you and, and, you know, and by, by extension dad, like you guys, you guys are, you know, <laughs> pretty easily open your home and, 
you know, open, open your hearts and minds to, to people. And like, once you guys, you know, kind of adopt people into our family, um, they're family. <laughs> so I, I think, I think that's, that's one of, um, you know, that's, that's something that, um, you know, all of, you know, all of, all of us kids have, um, gotten from you is that, you know, once, once you're part of our, once you're part of the Coon clan, you are, uh, yeah, well, the uh, you know the Coon family clan. It's you, no matter if your last name is you know Smith, Jones, McGlamory, Sandness. <laughs> you know, it, you're part you're part of the clan now. So uh, you know, lo, you know, love it or hate it. You, you know, this, this is how <laughs> this is how we are. <laughs> well, I I wholeheartedly will accept that because um, I would say that's a huge goal and yeah and. And I feel as though, you know, talking about gifts, God, Mm -hmm. you know, bestows upon each of us, I would like to think and hope, and that's what I strive for is to nurture that gift of hospitality, I guess, Mm -hmm. of welcoming people. Um, So I will will wholeheartedly accept that. Um, (laughs) Thank you, because that means a lot. I, uh, it, but it comes easy because we love welcoming people into our yep. home and we love nurturing people yep. in our home. Uh, yep. People have done that for us. And so mm-hmm. when you feel that sense of home, cause that's really what home is. It's not a house. Yep. It's the people in it. It's the experiences you have in it. Yep. Uh, that is what, you know, makes you feel good. It makes, it's what makes you feel loved and, and so, yes, we, we do try to welcome people in and, um, and want to pursue that further in the future. You know, I mean, I hope, I hope that there is a plan in the future, uh, for us to be able to do more of that, um, yep. in, in and, a, in a very intentional way, I guess. Yep. And that kind of leads into, into my, 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 you know, my final query is kind of what is what what is your vision kind of leading forward for for yourself for you know for you and dad for you know you know the family unit that you guys have have built like what is what is your like what is your version of of the vision yeah uh good question i i mean because that's what we always do talk about right i mean we, we talk about it for for the for you guys um, yeah, I think but we want to know. We want to know even, what it is for you. <laughs> I know. I think sometimes we forget about. I think Dad's better at that than I am because mm-hmm. I'm. I'm sort of in the thick of things. Like I, you know, people will come to me and say, "Oh, we'd love for you to do this and chair this or um, be in charge of this or whatever." And I always tell people that's not my forte. My forte is in the busyness of it. In the in I'm the I'm the worker bee right? Yeah. That's, that's where I'm comfortable yeah. is being the worker bee. Uh, so I look at things a little different than dad, whereas mm-hmm. dad does like to have the vision and has tried to teach you guys that, um, yep. looking beyond and always reaching for a goal, right? Yep. Yep. And it's a common, common discussion in our house and never <laughs> comfortable. I like to be comfortable. <laughs> so, I mean, dad and I are on, you know, we're like the folk, you know, the, 
we swing, you know, right? Yeah. He's on one end, I'm kind of on the other end, which 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 I think keeps our family in balance, right? Yes. Yes. Uh hopefully. So he pulls me out of my comfort zone as do you guys, um, the kids Mm -hmm. and you, uh, making me do things I wouldn't ordinarily do, (laughs) but, uh, vision on the horizon, I think, you know, it's still to be seen, but, a, a a broad vision, I guess, uh, is to be able to have something in the future, whether it's nonprofit or to continue what we're doing, welcoming Mm -hmm. people into our home, but Mm -hmm. being able to provide some sort of opportunity for people to gather, to have a safe place, um, to heal, you know, uh, to heal from stuff, whether it be a child having illness or, um, you know, I mean, some kind of traumatic situation, or I don't really know. I don't know what specifically that looks like, but mm-hmm. I would like to pursue something, um, and, and, you know, that helps people, uh, to be able to give back because we have been on the receiving end of so many things yep. that have helped us heal from the hard parts, you know, yeah. while we were in it but also beyond, uh, because it, it's, it's always with you, as you know, right. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, we forget about it sometimes. I mean, we try to send you pictures, uh, <laughs> we forget you can't see a picture over a phone, but, um, but there are still those hard times that, that creep up or whatever. And it's in talking with other people that have gone through similar circumstances that have helped us to heal from the, I don't want to say trauma because I never felt like it was real trauma, but mm-hmm. it was painful and mm-hmm. um, hard times. It, you know, it helped us get through it, hearing about it helped it normalize it. I think for us, yeah. it was probably a bigger part, you know, like being at Ronald McDonald house was huge mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Uh, having that experience going, you know, being with other families that were dealing with things that were really hard uh, because I know you know, like when we got to Ronald McDonald house and we kind of went not wanting to, cause it felt like it was going to be really harder for us. We were like, no, we just want to keep our family unit in a hotel room. And, um, and we were strongly encouraged to go to Ronald McDonald house. And that was yeah. a great place for us to, you know, we spent six weeks there and then lots of subsequent, you know, lots of, you know, trips after that. Yeah. Um, but you know, cause we, being there, we saw other people that were dealing with hard stuff and we're still just, you know, got to enjoy their company and have some sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cooking at the kitchen counter together. I can remember making French fries, with <laughs> Antonio's parents, and we didn't speak yep. English. I yep. mean, we didn't speak English. We spoke English. They spoke Italian. Yep. We couldn't even communicate in that way but we were still able to be together and spend time together. And, and that was, that was awesome. So, um, that was huge going to, uh, Boggy Creek and cancer camps. Mm -hmm. That was, that was huge for us as a family to provide those experiences, not only for you, um, but for parents and, and have other parents that we were 
doing things with and for your siblings because yep. they deal with a lot of stuff. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, we have to fine tune our vision as to what that specifically looks like. So how we mm-hmm. can fit a niche that maybe isn't yet out there. Yep. Um, but in some way, I feel like it, it involves some form of hospitality and always food because, you know, always, always <laughs> a big part of my life. That's, so. that's why your company is Harmony Farm and Fork because <laughs> all the harmony happens around the, around the table. <laughs> wow. wow. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, mom, thank, just thank you. Um, I don't, I don't tell you enough. Um, you know, just, just thank you for, uh, for, for raising, you know, raising me. I know it's, uh, I haven't always been the easiest child, <laughs> um, but, um, just thank you for pushing, you know, for, you know, uh, raising me with the, with the, the values that, um, you, you did, um, and continuing to, to challenge me and, and push me out of my comfort zone. And, and, you know, thank you for taking time to, um, to come on here. And I know it, you know, even though you're a podcast junkie, you're not, you know, you don't, uh, you don't, you don't give interviews, um, a whole lot and, you know, you don't put yourself, you know, you're, you know, our, our family is generally pretty, pretty private, well, except me. I, I'm, I seem to be the only one that kind of throws everything out there for the world to consume. Um, uh, but just thank you for being willing to open up and, and share with, with everyone, um, everything that, that we've gone through as a family. Well, I thank you. I'm super proud. And I, I love the podcast and I love when you're, you're writing and, and the podcast and hearing different stories and, and stuff, because I mean, frankly, as a kid, I mean, I'm learning things now that I wanted to know back then that you wouldn't give info to, um, <laughs> I had to read about it or hear it in a speech or whatever. So I, that's your way of of sharing the fine details. You reserve them for a later, a later date. So I love, I love, um, and I, probably after listening to, to Brad and some of the things there uh, that you guys have done, um, the sketchy, some of the sketchy parts of, of the <laughs> things you have done, it was probably better for me to wait until later on to know those details, those details, but I'm super, I'm super proud of you. I've always been super proud of you and all the kids. And I love the family that we have raised and really appreciate uh, you saying those really kind things. I love you. Well, I love you too, mom. And I, 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 I tell, uh, I tell Jess every night that I, I, you know, cause she, she's, uh, you know, she always says, ah, you're a funny guy. And I'm like, I just, I just tell you the truth. I promise to tell you the truth and nothing but the truth all the time. And, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm a, I'm 100% an honest person. Um, <laughs> lying bit me in the butt too many times as a kid. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, honest, like you said at the beginning, honesty is the best policy. And, um, and, uh, and, and especially with, with mom and dad, you never, you're always honest with mom and dad. So <laughs> good lesson. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, as you as you taught us, you know, Cassandra, Kelsey, Caitlin, and I still will get. Um, we still plan on getting the these tattoos together, but we are going to get a, a make good choices tattoo, and that was something that you taught us 
you you preach to us day every single day of our lives is to make good choices that's right it, it, you know I, I, that's a great way to end the po- the podcast make good choices and it it goes along the same lines as what dad you know has always said and you continue to say keep it stupid simple which yep. I always want to say simple stupid but um I, I switched. I well, Dad did always say keep it keep it simple, stupid. Um, right. I switched. I switched the the stupid and the the simple around. Uh, you know, be a little bit more PC. <laughs> I I love it though because seriously, make good choices. Like it is simple, right? Yep. So yeah, I don't know where where that came from, but out of I don't. My I don't worry. either. out of my worry so I was like it takes the the weight of responsibility off me if I say that to you guys then it's on you because it's your choice right (laughs) absolutely anyway all right we'll make good choices Uh, oh thank you so much mom um I I love you and I I think I think after listening to to this episode I think a lot of people are going to uh finally get a real this is the real starting to really peek behind the curtain of where I, where I get a lot of my, my, you know, my values, my, you know, my life, this, I mean, this, you're you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. These, this, the, this is the woman that raised me. So uh, thank you so much, mom. I love you. And go, uh, go play with some, go play with them grandkids that that are coming over. (laughs) Give them, give them big hugs and kisses for me. Will do. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Kicking It with the K Train. Um, I think you can all tell that my mom has helped me keep an eye on my vision, and she will continue to keep an eye, help me keep an eye on my vision. So, and I think she, I think her her words and and lessons are going to help all of you as well. So, until next time, keep an eye on your vision. Thank you so much, Mom, for coming on the show. Uh, it's always nerve-wracking to you know, try and, and inter- interview uh, your parents, um, your family members. You never know. You, know, you generally know what they're going to say, but you never, you never know what stories are going to come out. But um, absolutely love, love my mom, and you know, love that um, she was so open to, to coming on and and sharing our our family's uh, story so uh, and you guys there's there's lots more of that stuff coming uh, you know my family has been such a huge part of my life and every single one of my family members has helped me in some form or fashion keep an eye on my vision so you guys can uh, be rest assured you're going to be hearing lots more stories and lots more perspectives on all of that so thanks mom and always look always enjoy catching up with you um, whether on a podcast or just calling you for you know a quick 30 minute chat but hey you guys if you are wanting to follow my journey uh, please give me a follow on all the social media platforms you can find me on instagram at iron kyle that's e-y-e-r-o-n-k-y-l-e on facebook at kyle coon speaks on twitter at kyle underscore coon please also check out my website 
kylecoon.com. That's where you can pick up a copy of my book, Discovering a Life Without Limits, How Cancer Took My Sight, Blindness Gave Me Vision, and The Mountains Let Me Live. Uh, you can hear you can uh, hear a lot of uh, these fun family personal stories in that book uh, as well. Get a little bit more detail um, on that. But uh, yeah, you check out the book on Amazon, Audible, Kindle, uh, all those all those platforms, uh, as well as from my website where you can uh, go to my publisher and find the actual physical copy of the book as well. But if you guys are enjoying the podcast, please uh, take a few minutes, rate and review uh, the podcast on Apple. Um, you know, those reviews really do help me in finding out what you guys are enjoying, what you're not enjoying, what I can change, do better. Um, and if you would rather just reach out to me directly to kind of let me know your feedback, please uh, send me send me a direct message on, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, tweet at me, <laughs> uh, or contact me through the form on my website. So you guys, thank you so much for all the support. Really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to chatting with you guys again real soon. And as you know, some of you may be aware, uh, this upcoming weekend, May 14th, is Mother's Day, hence why we're dropping this episode at the beginning of the week. Um, so this will be the only episode this week uh, to let mom have, have the entire week uh, for you guys to absorb her wisdom. Um, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, thank you for all that you guys do. Uh, we love you all, and everyone knows that uh, the best mom in the world is our own. So thank you, and we will talk to you guys again very soon. Keep an eye on your vision. <laughs>